We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. All right, guys, rolling along with our AL East previews. Thanks for joining us uh, again. My friend Kevin Weiss from Locked On Rays is joining us to talk a little Tampa uh, Tampa Bay Rays and find out what's going on in, in their neck of the woods. They had a hell of a year down in Tampa, not only with the Rays, but across all, really all sports. It's been a, it's been a good sports year for the, for the Tampa fan, for the Tampa sports fan. So, Kevin, what's up, man? Welcome, uh, welcome back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the Buccaneers win a Super Bowl, the Lightning win a Stanley Cup, the Rays got an AL championship, couldn't quite get the World Series, but there's always next year. And then you've got other teams coming down. I mean, we we get to watch NBA basketball all season long at Amelie Arena where the Lightning play. Um, I, Dunedin, the Dunedin Blue Jays, I mean, the Toronto Blue Jays are basically going to be playing in Dunedin for a couple months. So a lot of opportunities to just watch sports and, and actually go to games too. I, I think over the past month or so, some of those organizations have have opened up things a little bit, limited capacity and so forth. But um, with the rollout of vaccines, we're actually, I mean, this, as, as we stand late March going into April, it seems like there is some some normalcy returning, which is, which is nice to see after all the mess of 2020. Yeah, no doubt for real. Well, what's the, uh, what's the situation over at the trap with the fans? Uh, Yankee Stadium's at 20% right now. Just like a 48 hour period of proving that you have a COVID test, uh, you know, a negative test and all of these things. So what's what's happening at the trap? How are they letting everybody in? I think it's a little bit more relaxed from what I've heard, but um, 
yeah, what's the situation right. there? Yeah, we are in Florida, so things tend to be a little bit more relaxed. Um, I don't know anything about um, like a negative COVID test or requiring that you show a vaccine. I believe masks are required uh, unless you're eating, actively eating or drinking inside the trop. But they said originally that they were going to cap attendance to start the season at 7,000, but then um, they made another announcement that they bumped it up to 9,000. So as many as I, I guess I, they, they always change the capacity around with the tarps and everything, but yeah. I guess that's about 25, 30% capacity. So, um, so, and I'm sure as the months go forward, I would not be surprised by the end of the season if they open it up completely, but that's what we're looking at 9,000 fans to start. And, and hopefully the Rays can, uh, can call, call themselves getting a sellout or several sellouts. Hopefully they can fill 9,000. Uh, into the seats, especially this early part of the season. I mean, if you can't get 9,000 in the building, especially after as people are clamoring to go to the games after what the Rays did last season, then uh, let's just move to Montreal already. Let's just close up shop because that would be, quite frankly, an embarrassment, especially as, I mean, people are getting vaccines left and right here, which is a good sign too. Yeah. I mean, like you said, the tarps are a situation where they can control, you know, the the attendance for a particular game, whether there's a limited capacity or not. So, um, I, you know, for baseball's sake, I, I hope that they're able to, to you know, pack it with, uh, you know, 9,000 fans or 7,000 fans or whatever it is. And I also have a feeling that you're going to get a, a higher percentage of visiting fans that come in too, because everybody is jonesing for baseball. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that, um, I mean, it, it's funny because I was driving down Dale Mabry yesterday after and a Yankee spring training game just ended and it was just absolutely packed. And again, that's Yankees fans, but I think you're still going to, I mean, for better or worse, you're, you've got a lot of transient fans down here, whether it's Red Sox, Yankees, a lot of people are vacationing, if not moving down here or staying down here because things have been so relaxed and opened up. So even if it's, look, you'd, you'd like to see a hundred percent raise fans in the trop, but uh, I feel like you have enough people this time of year that, um, I, I mean, if it's, you know, you got a, a Red Sox home, a home game against the Red Sox, it might be 50-50, but at least you're filling that building up and, and bringing some revenue to the team. And I'll just be curious to see how they go about expanding this thing. I mean, the first month, this is 9,000 and then, okay, month two, let's make it 12,000, month three, 15,000 and just incremental jump ups. I feel like that would be appropriate, appropriate to some extent, but I mean, I'm just, uh, look, I think there's definitely a demand out there for race fans to go and see baseball. I mean, they, they capped, uh, spring training attendance at around 1500, um, per game and all the spring training tickets for the entire season sold out within five minutes online. So there definitely is a demand for baseball and, or, and a demand for people to go out there and do something as well. So I, I would imagine that th- there shouldn't be a problem filling up the place, at least, you know, whatever the limited capacity is with that. All right, man, let's get to this year. And I think for us uh, to appropriately get to what's going on with you guys this year, we have to backtrack to the end of last year, because it seems like there were some, you know, there was obviously an opportunity uh, for, for the Rays to win a world series. You guys had a hell of a run through the playoffs. Um, uh, as we call him rice Aroni, you actually called <laughs> it on our show early in the, earlier in the year when we did our, our, uh, beginning of the year part two <laughs> that that he was going to be a just a, a big player and a uh, someone who was going to be to look out for the playoffs and this dude was was I mean looked every bit of an MVP in the playoffs he he dominated the the playoffs 
Um, but the way that it ended, you know, towards the end with Blake Snell, uh, game six, uh, I apologize for, for bringing back up bad memories, but it does seem like it was, it has something to do with the way that the off season, um, you know, kind of rolled out. Snell obviously traded to San Diego. Um, the Rays bring in a, what seems like a plethora of veteran uh, pitchers to, uh, you know, throw as much spaghetti on the wall almost, or, you know, make see if we, they can get one last, uh, one last go out of these guys, which to be honest, I don't doubt because Tampa has been able to do that with multiple people. So, um, yeah, curious to your thoughts ending the season uh, and just and just what that what that taste was going into the offseason with Snell being traded. Yeah, that that's look, I it, it's one of those things where since Snell has been off the roster, we I guess thankfully haven't really had to relive game six because the the local media isn't asking questions about oh looking back on game six, how are you entering the season, so on and so forth. So it's almost well, welcome, kind of welcome to the Yankees podcast. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. So um, look, I think that after game six, things had kind of been ramping up to that point of Blake Snell and the Rays kind of, okay, it's probably time for us to go our separate ways, even though he, to pretty much 29 other MLB teams, he has a very team-friendly deal left with three years, $39 million on that contract. The Rays aren't like every or, every other organization out there. And um, there have just been things with, you know, the when they traded Tommy Pham, he expressed his his disappointment with that. Game six, he he added Scott Boris as his agent. A lot of things going on with that. And he also expressed disappointment very vividly about not being able to go deep into ball games. And that's been the Rays MO of late is hey, we're we're going to have starters be five and dive guys. We're going to bring in the bullpen six inning and, and try to close this thing up. And Blake Snell, former Cy Young Award winner. He wants to be able to go seven and eight. He wants to get his chance at a complete game. And maybe he'll get that opportunity in San Diego. I don't know. But yeah, talk about throwing spaghetti on a wall because they, they of course, not just traded Blake Snell for, I think, four very good prospects and players that will definitely help this team in time over the next several years. They also opted not to bring back Charlie Morton on a team right. option. And I, look, I if I was the Rays, and I know this is sort of heartless in a way, I would have picked up his option, then traded him to the Braves or somebody else and try to get something in return. But I guess there was so much mutual respect from both those sides that they opted. Like, if if we're bringing you back, we're, we're bringing you back to keep you. We don't want to bring you back and then give you this impression you're going to be on the team and then trade you a week or two or, two or, or a month later or whatever it is. So what they've essentially done is they've unloaded a lot of uh, payroll off the starting rotation and in return added four veteran guys who have question marks, have a history of success, but... Um, you just don't know what you're going to get from those guys, whether it's Chris Archer, Colin McHugh, Michael Waka, Rich Hill, the list goes on and on. And uh, I, I guess the idea and the thinking along those lines of, and they brought in all those four guys for a combined $13.8 million, which is less than what Charlie Morton would have made uh, with yeah. the Rays at 15 mil. So really what they're thinking is, uh, these four guys, if they can give us a combined 450 innings, the most that Charlie Morton's going to give you is maybe 175. So th- you're going from 60 to 162. We just need guys that can give us innings any way possible. That's part of it. The other part of it is they have a really, really good stable of prospects in the minor leagues that are going to be knocking on the door in the next couple months, whether it's Shane McClanahan, Josh Fleming, who saw a lot of action, Joe Ryan, Luis Patino, Brendan McKay, Brent Honeywell, a lot of guys there that are chomping at the bit. So once those guys are fully stretched out and inevitably once Rich Hill goes down with something or Chris Archer goes down with something, then they can start to bring those guys up 
sometime along mid-season, late season, and hopefully have the depth to get through 162. So that's kind of what their line of thinking there is while at the same time trying to uh, save a buck or two, which is the, the Rays way, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's exactly it. You know, everybody's looking at Tampa and saying, well, they lost Morton. They lost Snell. This is clearly going to be the Yankees division. This is, and, and which I don't disagree. I think it is the, the Yankees division to lose at this point. But that being said, Tampa has has been able to you know, turn these no-name guys uh, in their bullpen into you know the the quote horse, the stable of uh, of horses, and and they've they've been able to make a lot from very little. Or they'll identify a guy who's had injury history and for whatever reason make some tweaks, change his uh, you know his situation within the team, and gotten a lot out of him. They've they've been able to add a lot of value from from I'd say little, and that's I think that's one of the the big strengths from from Kevin Cash and and, and organization. So. When I see that Snell is gone and that Morton is gone, yes, it's a it's a hit to the team, but I have no doubt that they're going to fill that piece with someone else and probably someone I've never heard of. <laughs> and th- this guy is going to come in and, uh, you know, this guy or these guys and and do well. It's just they have a track record of doing this. And the fact that, you know, they got Archer, Waka, Hill, McHugh, like you mentioned, it's possible that one of them, you know, have a bit of a resurgence. Would not surprise me if Archer all of a sudden found, you know, a little bit more of a semblance of being a pitcher and had some success. So I, I by no means take them, uh, take them, you know, for granted. And and I think that they are going to be a, a very serious threat in the, in the division. So curious your thoughts on like what your expectations are for the AL East specifically with this, you know, new, uh, new roster. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a great question. A great point. And I go back to it like last year, who would have thought that, Ryan Thompson, John Curtis, and Aaron Sleegers would be a thing, that they would have success. Nobody had really heard of these guys beforehand. And then we see them, and they have immediate success. And it's like, wow, maybe the Rays have found some something. And I think that's what they're going to do again with guys like Jeffrey Springs and Chris Mazza and a bunch of Volk guys. And the other thing, too, with that is um, I know that, look, Nick Anderson, that bad news about him, he's going to miss at least half the year with what he's dealing with, elbow issues, and the Rays have to find a new de facto closer, which I think, you know, between Pete Fairbanks and Diego Castillo, they should be able to do. But, um, you know, they also have guys that aren't getting talked about this year that uh, are have been contributors to the Rays in the past and are expected for big roles in the bullpen. Cody Reid, for example, Andrew Kittredge, Chaz Rowe, those guys are finally healthy and ready to go. So that's going to be big for them. I, I think, you know, you look at the rotation one to five, it definitely isn't a top 10 rotation anymore, maybe not even a top 15 rotation. But I think the they have so many arms that can pitch in and fill in that I think they'll find a way to get through it. It wouldn't surprise me in the least if they've got like 10 or 12 guys by the end of the year that have like 80, 90, 100 innings between them. I think there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to be pitching a lot of innings and a lot of mixing and matching from that standpoint. And I think this is going to be, again, we're going from 60 to 162 um, while the Rays on paper, at least their their starting staff and maybe not even their, their bullpen anymore. It, it doesn't look as elite as in, Last year, I think, you know, come to the dog days of summer, September, August, you get late in the season where I think teams are just going to be hampered by injuries and ailments. Um, and, and it's going to be like a an NFL season where it's just like, we just need a guy that can go out there and throw us a couple innings. And I think that's where the Rays have an advantage. You know, their, their top couple, the, their best couple players probably aren't on the same par or page with the Yankees or the Blue Jays, but I think their their depth, their you know, fifteen through twenty six, twenty six through forty, 
um, really, really helps them out and gives them a boost. And I think that the Rays, again, probably the homer in me a little bit. I think they find a way to make the playoffs and I think they find a way to, I wouldn't say win the division, but definitely secure a wild card spot. And somewhere between the range of 88 to 92 games is, is what I'm looking for. Um, at the least probably around that ballpark as of right now. We also have to remember, I mean, you know, the, the Rays have never really been known for their offense. That's never been their calling card, but they're returning pretty much everybody in their lineup from last season. And that was a team that almost averaged five runs a game. And they might be able to do that this year, especially if you get a full season health wise from Austin Meadows and Brandon Lau and, um, and Yandy Diaz, and we, we see what Randy Rosarina can do over a full season. So I think that's definitely going to help them as well. So I think second in the division, I, I would say, you know, if, if I was to rank it right now, I'd probably say Yankees one, Rays two, Blue Jays three, big back and forth between those three teams, four Red Sox, and then five. I mean, who else but the Orioles? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Red Sox could compete. Who knows? The Orioles might get some uh, some young guys to play out of their out of their shoes and play uh, a little bit better with the Red Sox. That's, that'll be an interesting head to head. Interesting for for uh, two fan bases. But um, yeah, the so staying with the pitching before we get into uh, a little bit more of the offense, because I think the offense is really interesting. What are your expectations for Tyler Glass now? You know, we, we saw some good things from him, but I mean, at this point, he really does have to to take over as that ace as that number one guy, do you expect him one? Do you think that's a, a must? Does he have to come out there and dominate every time he gets the ball or, you know, the majority of times does he have to clearly make himself that, that number one guy. And what are your expectations for Tyler Glass now? Yeah, I think, you know, throughout spring training, the storyline has been him finding tuning his secondary stuff. He's learned a slider, which apparently looks pretty good. I guess it's a combination between, a slider and a cutter. And that is in complement to his high nineties fastball and his 12, six curveball. And he's toyed around in the past with the changeup, but really it's just a, a slow fastball that allows hitters to time up on it. So it looks like, I mean, he's legitimately going to use this slider slash cutter into, into regular season games, which is huge to have that third pitch. That That's what you need. If you want to be an ACE top of the rotation guy. And this is his year. This is his opportunity. He's no longer, um, you know, behind the scenes of Blake Snell and Charlie Morton and others. This is his first opening day start. And this is a year if you want to really light up and maybe get a contract extension or get that big boost in arbitration, you need to show out. I mean, he's shown, look, he's got the stuff. He's got the talent to be an ace, but he's not quite there yet. We've seen his postseason struggles. We've seen times where he gets hit a little bit and then, um, he just loses his composure and it becomes a, a, a bad start. And we, we've seen that against bad teams like the Orioles, where he just, for one reason or the other, implodes. And we also have to see him pitch a full season. That That is something we have yet to see uh, from him in a Rays uniform. Yeah, I guess we sort of saw it last year, but he hasn't thrown more than 111 innings in a regular season. So you need this guy to at, at least, I think, 150 at least, you know, 28 to 32 starts, you need him to be available and, and out there every time. And, you know, I think he's ready for it. He's, he's been in baseball long enough. He's 27 going on 28 years old. He's uh, one of the union reps for the team. He's, he's ready for the limelight. And, and I think he's going to have a lot of success, but um, it's just about putting it all together for an entire season. We saw it in a little bit. We saw glimpses of it in, in 2019 where he looked like he was going to win a Cy Young before he went down with 
a forearm strain. So it's just about being able to continue that for a regular season and into the postseason too, because that's still sort of a a knock on his resume there. But um, and he's got to pick everybody else up too. Like I mean, you look at the, this rotation, and your number two is Ryan Yarbrough. And Ryan Yarbrough is a very good pitcher. He's a, he's a solid pitcher, but he's been used in a variety of roles as a, a bulk guy and opener. He lost his arbitration case. He doesn't give you necessarily the the fire or the the cachet of of another of other number two starters in baseball. So if if Tyler Glass now can carry that load through game one or the first game of a series or whatever it may be, I, I think that's going to be critically important. Look, I, I don't think he's going to win a Cy Young this season, but you know, at least maybe garnering some votes, I think would be critical and, and huge for him. And he's definitely capable of that, assuming he stays healthy. I mean, he's just he's he's just a freak athletically six foot eight, uh, with his, his arm length. I mean, he throws a, a 9,900 mile an hour fastball that probably looks, you know, probably one Oh five, one Oh six to hitters because of the, the extension that he gets on his throws. And, um, you know, a guy that size is just about also maintaining his mechanics too, and not, not getting out of that during the regular season. But I expect a, a really, really good year from glass. The, the time is now for him for sure. Time is definitely now. I think the time is now for, potentially some of your prospects as well. Um, we'll get to, to Wander Franco. I know that he's probably uh, of the three of these guys on the on the back burner of them, but um, Patino, Luis Patino is a guy that that I've, I identify as, 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 as a wild card for me. There's, there, are two, there are two X-Factor guys on this team that, that uh, I'm not going to say scare me, but, but um, I have my eye on <laughs> to see how they're doing when they come up and, and the ability that they're going to add to that. I think he's a guy that could add you know, some, some real, um, electricity to the rotation. And I think it, you know, you're saying end of, uh, middle, middle of the year, you know, towards the end of the year, what are realistic expectations for, for him and when you may see him? Cause I do expect him to be an active contributor at some point. Wonder Franco, you know, who knows that he's still young. He still hasn't played a, a ton of organized ball in the, um, in the minor leagues. And last year was not a great thing for his, uh, development, really any minor leaguer. Um, but Patina, what are your expectations for him? What do you think he's going to be coming up? Because with the with the guys that you are throwing spaghetti on the wall, I have a feeling the the Rays are going to be dipping into um, the farm a little bit earlier. Yeah, that's interesting because Patino absolutely, I think, is an electric talent that in time will be. Um, he might be atop the rotation. That's what they. That's what the Rays want from him. And in, in trading Blake Snell to try to get a guy like that. But we also have to remember, I mean, he got a stint with the Padres last year, um, probably was a little bit premature just coming back from a ball and he's just 21 years old. And I think the Rays are going to be very, very patient and very cautious with him as they are with all of their arms. And it's funny because I haven't heard, I, I haven't really heard as much talk about him necessarily as some of the others that are maybe more refined and developed as far as pitching prospects. Like if, if the Rays are in need of a starter like now um, from some of those high profile prospects, I would look at a guy probably like Shane McClanahan first. And after that, maybe Brent Honeywell, that that might be a guy too. I think there's other guys that they may turn to, but before Patino, because he's so young and, and there's still things I think that they want to work on and definitely stretch him out in the minor leagues. But I, I think there's certainly a point where he could be a contributor. But I mean, if we get to the end of the year, I would not be surprised if, the, the the number four number five spot goes to Shane McClanahan, who's who lo- just looked absolutely nasty in spring training and is a, a guy from the left side that 
throws a hundred and, and has a nasty breaking ball too. And um, he seems to have the, the confidence and it seems like this is, this might be the year for his breakout. He got some action in double a he's pitched in college. He's a local kid, went to the university of South Florida. He made his, he, he, he made history, baseball history and in, in making an appearance, uh, making his, his MLB debut in a postseason game against the Yankees. No less. I don't think it, it worked out too well, but I think that's a guy that there, there's been more talk about him and some others before Luis Patino and a guy that always seems to get left in the shuffle because he's not a high velocity guy and he's, he's not super flashy, but just has really good command and composure and, and isn't um, doesn't lack for the moment is Josh Fleming. That's another guy I think that's going to get big opportunities, but I'm not sure if Patino necessarily earns a rotation spot by the end of this year, but it might be a thing where we just need a live arm in the bullpen to get us through you know, if it's September or in the playoffs or whatever it may be, because I still, he's, he's still an extremely, extremely young kid and the Rays um, probably want to take their time with him too. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause he did get some major league time. So you're, you're seeing down there that even though he was brought up cause it was early that they still want to keep him in the minor leagues, develop him even more, and then possibly bring him up um, later in the season. The kid, the little I've seen of him, he looked electric. I think he's going to be a very good player. Um, and it's just the way that the the Rays have, you know, transformed some of these pitching, uh, not even prospects, just some of these projects, even that they get a guy that that has the high caliber talent and um, the tools. That is that is one of those uh, one of those areas that I'm definitely circling, and I have my eye on the development of that kid because I have a feeling it's going to be something that's going to be a thorn in the Yankee side for a very long time. So um, he's controlled. Yeah. It's just one of those one of those pitchers that's going to be in Tampa for a while. Yeah, and and what the Rays do with that, and and why they have so much so much success is basically what they they tried to simplify things for these players. The Rays are such an analytically driven franchise, and they they focus on what a guy can do rather than what he can't do. And it, if he's got this one strength or these two strengths, okay, focus on that and and try to try to expose that. And a big thing for them too is just like. You're basically a major leaguer. You got here. You got to this point. Trust your stuff. Just throw the ball, uh, throw the ball over the plate, and and good things will happen. Yeah, you might get there. Might be some contact, but we've got a really good defense behind us too. And that that's really the the big calling card for them is just trust your stuff and focus on on this one thing. If it's throwing a a, a curveball more or throwing the fastball more at the top of the zone, like they they boil it down to where they've got all these smart guys in the front office, and then. They've got a conduit in the pitching coach and Kyle Snyder and other on-field guys, and they they kind of boil it down and, and simplify it for these for these you know pro baseball players to understand and, and go out and execute. And I think that's that's another big reason for their success. Where you know some of these other franchises might get tied down into the minutia, and okay, we're we're going to be super smart and super analytical, and that's fine. But you, you got to find a way to impart that wisdom to the players and and for them to really have confidence in that too. And um, it's shown it, it's, it's worked over the years. I mean, every, every year there's always going to be a new guy that, that comes out and, and breaks out and, and has a great season. And I'm sure there'll be a couple guys with the Rays this year that we didn't really have on, on the radar that was like, wow, where, where did that guy come from? And, and it, it, it's always fun to see those guys like that. And, and usually what happens is the next year, once the Rays have sort of reinvented this player, they ship him off to another team. John Curtis is no longer on the team, for example. He's with the Marlins. Aaron Slager's with the Angels, and, and they just kind of go around and around in, in a circle.
You've heard us talking about it before, and we're back again to talk to you about hosting your own podcast here at Blue Wire. And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everybody the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show posted out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. The best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, which is just your hosting fee. That's the same rate as all other hosting sites would charge you to, for an initial setup. So you're going to be paying that anyway. So you might as well be doing it at Blue Wire Hustle, where you get all those other great features I just mentioned. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to me and Scott talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into this program is limited. So get your application in today. To apply, you can go to bwhustle.com join. You can check out the description box for this episode and find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Again, check it out in the show notes if you are interested. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? We've all gone through a lot over the past year plus with COVID. Well, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in your area. And it's available worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living happier today. You can visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily to see for yourself. Visit betterhelp.com slash bronx21. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals. We have a great special offer for our listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash bronx21. One more time, betterhelp.com slash bronx21.
All right, going to the offense uh, before we get out of here. The 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 offense, like you mentioned before, averaging what we said five runs a game. They're a talented offense. Um, having a full year of uh, Rosarena is going to be you know something obviously that they're they're looking to expand upon for you know making a dynamic offense. The guy, I expect him to be good. I mean, I I I see no reason why he's not going to not carry over maybe what he did in the playoffs, but he's going to be an, an active player, a very uh, big contributor to this team. Uh, he's a good player. He's he's fun to watch, to be honest. Uh, Austin Meadows is a guy though that that I have my eye on as a as a rebound player, as someone who's you know trying to get back in uh, to the swing of things, obviously, and and make big impact with uh with big production. And I I think he's a guy that um you know started putting together some better at bats uh, at the end of last year into the playoffs even. Uh, and and I think that he's you know, really a big X factor for your team because if he's right, if he if he's healthy and he's able to um, you know make good of his talent, that's a that's a huge, huge bat in the middle of your lineup. So um, just curious as to the the rest of the offense, but but you know the impact of a, a healthy um, you know guy like Austin Meadows who's really rolling and then you add a Rosarena who you know, add some protection. So you have have a little bit more protection in that lineup. And then um, also Wander Franco, if you could talk just a little bit about him after that, what you see, is he, are we going to see him this year at all? Is this, uh, are we still waiting for Wander Franco? Yeah, all, all good questions from that standpoint. I do think Randy will come back to earth a little bit. I mean, he can't, he's not Babe Ruth. I don't think anyways, who knows? No. Maybe, uh, maybe he had to wait until he was 26 to, to become the, the next Babe Ruth or Barry Bonds or whatever it may be. But I think that you know, there's there's a little bit of a book on him now, and I think teams are going to uh, not throw him as many fastballs, try to get him to chase on more breaking stuff. Um, you just hope that, you know, the success he had uh, last season didn't go to his head in the offseason. But I think he's he's a pretty hard worker. I mean, he gets um, he actually had some little uh, bumps and bruises because he was taking too many batting practice swings. So he just loves baseball. And uh, kind of a fun tie in there, uh, the Tampa Bay Rowdies, which is sort of like a I guess like the a second division pro soccer team here uh, in the Tampa Bay area. Randy's brother uh, is a goalkeeper and he was just signed to the Tampa Bay Rowdies. So maybe part of that. And also the Rays own the Rowdies. So they own that soccer team. So I wonder if that was a little bit by design and bringing his brother to Tampa Bay to maybe give him some comfort and, and some familiarity there and, and having sort of a, a buddy to hang out with and, and keep him company. Um, because we know Randy from Cuba and, um, you know, there's a little bit of a language barrier there and a cultural barrier, but I think he'll, he'll, I, I, what I've thought from Randy, again, assuming he stays healthy for full season, if he can give you sort of a 2020 season and bat 270, I think that that's pretty good. Maybe a little bit more than that, maybe 25 to 28 home runs and, you know, 22 stolen bases, whatever it may be, but he's definitely not a, um, he's not Mike Trout yet. He's not Mookie Betts yet. And that's another thing too. He's got to work on his his defensive prowess a little bit, but Austin Meadows, um, that's, that's a guy that I absolutely think he's in store for a huge season, a bounce back season, a season that's similar to what he did in 2019. I mean, 2020 was just a lost season, him dealing with COVID and not really recovering from it. Uh, when he did recover from it, he was out of shape and never really comfortable. It was just like, Hey bud, we need a body step in and and, and take your lumps and bruises here. And he just, he did not look himself. He was about 15, 20 pounds overweight. You can tell entering this spring training, he was in much better shape. He hit four home runs, I think, in spring training, really pulling and turning on the ball. The timing was much better, especially on those pitches down and in. Um, he's going to have to work on one thing that 
really hurt him was chasing the down and away pitches and being late to those pitches last year. So I think he's certainly going to be able to make adjustments and, and return to that middle of the order presence. And that guy that got some MVP votes uh, in 2019. So he's going to be huge. Um, another guy that you know wasn't mentioned, but I think could be in store for, um, I don't know if you call it a bounce back year, but um, just much better than last year, Yoshi Satsugo. He's going to be in store for a more pronounced role this season with the injury of Tommy uh, of, of G-Man Choi. Um, Yoshi will play some, some first base, some third base, maybe some corner outfield. I think having a full season now, not going from the, the States to Japan back, dealing with the pandemic and everything, he'll actually kind of be settled down a little bit. And I think um, getting adjusted to major league pitching and in the fastballs, how they're higher velocity, more movement, he seems to be more comfortable on that end. And uh, I think the Rays have, have discussed having him lead off. I mean, he's, he's got the profile for sure. He's got the power. He's got the, the plate discipline. So I think that's a guy that could uh, really emerge. I mean, the Rays are paying him to be that guy. I know it doesn't sound much to the Yankees, but they're paying him seven, seven and a half million dollars a year, which I think is the, the third highest uh, salary for the Rays this season. But um, so those are a couple guys definitely to watch this season, of course. And I think what'll help is, uh, the the outfield depth too will allow Randy and and Austin Meadows and and other guys to to get rest and and get off their feet because this is going to be a very long season. So if you have to DH a couple times a week, so be it. That's fine. We have enough guys that can that can carry the water. Whether it's Manny Margot, Kevin Kiermeyer, Brett Phillips, maybe if he gets healthy, and guys like that. Um, as far as Wander goes, um, I still think sure. I think he could make his ma- uh, major league debut. This year, maybe when rosters go to 28 and, you know, maybe he's a, a postseason add-on if it gets to that point. But um, we still have to remember that he, he lost a season of minor league ball last year. He just turned 20 years old. He hasn't had some 500 at-bats in the minors. And, and the Rays have a lot of middle infield depth. I mean, if Willie Adamas goes down tomorrow, if he gets some sort of drastic injury, they're, they're calling up. Well, first, they'd probably just shift Joey Wendell or, or Mike Brasso to short. But... Um, if not that, if they had to call somebody up, it'd be Taylor Walls, the the best defensive prospect, arguably in the Rays system, and, and a guy who's versatile at that. Like, um, and then after that, probably Vidal Bruhan, and then after that, maybe Wander Franco. I think. Look, Wander, uh, everything I've read, he's going to be a great player in time. But the Rays also like to take their time with these prospects. They don't want to rush them just to rush them. And you also have the service time considerations and the Super Two status and everything that's tied in with that. So um, I would. I, I don't see him coming up before July, to be honest, and, unless just a whole rash of guys go down with injury. And to the Rays' credit, they've given him a ton of of action in spring training, given him a ton of at-bats. But I still think they, they want to see him go through uh, his lumps at double-A and triple-A and, uh, and, and go from there. The other thing, too, is like he might not be a shortstop at the big league level. They they might The Rays might choose to move him at second base or third base. And it's hard to get better. It's hard to really fine tune those skills. If you're sitting on the bench at the major league level, or you're trying to just manage everything that needs to be managed when the bright lights are on at the major league level and, and traveling from city to city, instead of just being able to work on your game on a backfield somewhere or in double a, where there's not so much attention. So I think there, there's some huge value into that 
where he's not just going to be a shortstop. He might be, they want him to learn multiple positions, things he hasn't really done before in his career because he's, you know, once a shortstop, always a shortstop kind of a guy. So I think that's the other thing too, is, you know, I, I think the, the bat's definitely there for sure. I think the mentality could be there in time, but they, they want him to make sure that the defense is there. Cause at the end of the day, this team is about pitching and defense and they want to make sure that he's ready for that. So I, I still think, um, and, and they got to figure out what they're going to do with Adamus long-term. I mean, Adamus is a really good player too. Um, I think he's going to be entering arbitration relatively soon. So he's still got several years of control. He's, he's a top of the step guy. He's a guy, he's a legit clubhouse leader, a legit vocal leader, a, a legit fun guy to be around in the clubhouse. And that's important is, is keeping the clubhouse light and loose. And that's something Adamus does. And, and I know that it seems like everybody's, we're always looking for that next guy. We're always looking for that next prospect. Who's the next great thing, but we, we've got a really good player right here in Willie Adamas. I know he strikes out a ton, but, and, and he fails to hit at the trop, but uh, caveats aside, he's still at the end of the day, a really good player, you know, two, three, four win player that um, he, he might be on the roster for the next couple of years too. And, and that kind of ties in with Wander, maybe learning a new position at the minor leagues and, and then seeing where he, where his development is from that standpoint. Well, I mean, one thing that we've seen with prospects, Yankees, Yankees uh, uh, across the league with other organizations as well, is that these top prospects, if they decide that he's a shortstop, he's going to play shortstop, but they're not going to bring him up for a platoon job. They're not going to mm-hmm. bring him up to sit on the bench. Like you said, there's no, especially after you lose a year last year, that's a, that's a, that's a development, you know, just a huge problem waiting to happen. There's no reason for that. I wouldn't be surprised if they slide, if they were to slide uh, Adamus to, to another position and when ready you know, you have Wander Franco, who's going to be the long-term at wherever he's positioned, right? He's going to be that guy um, for, for, you know, for however, however long I could see Adamus even sliding over and making room for a guy like Franco, if he is the shortstop that they think he is and they, and they get the time. The fact that um, he's got to have those minor league at-bats, like you said, identify where he's going to be playing long-term, I think will affect. I mean, it seems to me that Tampa would slide people over. Kevin Cash, is, is so known for doing that, that a guy like um, Yonder Franco, I just, it seems like he's going to be a staple in one position and they just need to figure out what that position is going to be. Yeah. And, and it's also one of those things too. I mean, at 19, 20 years old, he's already very well built. So what's his body type going to look like by the time he's 25, 26, 27, he might out very much outgrow the shortstop position. He's, he's already got a lot of strength and you know, when he gets, when he inevitably, if he adds another 15, 20 pounds, just because of biology, um, does he have the the movement skills and, and the quickness yeah. to, to maintain that spot? And I think that's going to be huge. So, so um, and, and they've also, I, I think there's also been discussions about center field as a possibility too. So I think they're going to try a lot of different things with him and, and see what sticks from there. I don't know if they would, as long as Adamus is on the roster, I don't know if they would move him off of shortstop. I think he, he has shown enough and proven enough to be a shortstop. But I think what could happen maybe is if there is a time where you see Wander and Adamus playing at the same time, they, they, there might be times where the, the Rays can play the, the platoon split a little bit in Wander's favor because he is a switch hitter. So, and, and that's the other thing. I mean, that was a great point. Like they're, they're not going to bring him up just to have him sit on the bench and to, to be a, a, a 10th or an 11th man on the bench. They want him to be playing every day and to get those reps. And I, I just don't see a spot as of right now. Look, there could be a rash of injuries by the end of the season, but you're not taking Joey Wendell's spot. You're not taking Yanni Diaz's spot. You're not taking Brandon Lau's spot. So 
are, are you, you're going to take Brett Phillips spot last man on the bench. Like that just doesn't really it doesn't make, make sense. sense no injuries standpoint. definitely so, have to be in play for, for him to, yeah. to be there. It's got to make sense long-term too. Like, yeah, they're not going to plug yeah. him in just for a short-term fix unless it's at the end of the season and they're trying to catch lightning in a bottle. Maybe, yeah. maybe they make some concessions at that point. And, and that's where the big question too is Adamus. I mean, there has been some rumors this off season about, you know, possibly shipping him off to, I know the Reds were kicking the tires a little bit and I'm sure there'll be other teams as well. If, you know, this is going to be a big free agency year for um, some of the big name shortstops, the the Trevor stories, maybe Francisco Lindor, Carlos Correa, so many others, but there might be a team that is looking for a veteran, more cheap shortstop option that, I mean, Willie Adamas is still a pretty young kid too. I think, you know, 24, 25 years old, That's that's got a lot of play left. Uh, in his game and and maybe a change of scenery where for whatever reason, I don't know if that it's the batter's eye or some vision issue. He just struggles at the trap for whatever it may be, but um, that, that he could be a really valuable inexpensive piece for another franchise. And also that would then open up an opportunity for whether it's Vidal Brujan, Wander Franco, Taylor Walls, the list goes on and on. I mean, that is the thing. Like the, the race of so many middle infield types that it, it's like, how are we going to find all these guys? They, I, I didn't even mention Xavier Edwards and Greg Jones, who at some point seemingly will be knocking on the door as well. A lot of those guys switch hitters too, which is sort of um, a fun thing to think about as the race try to maybe hit, not have to worry about the platoons as much. And, um, you know, as the game is changing with, you know, we might be seeing uh, bigger bigger bases and dead end balls where, you know, speed and athleticism no, and versatility is, is the name of the game. Yeah. That could be something where the Rays could, uh, they, they might be playing into that advantage there, uh, in the next decade or so. Cool, man. Well, you know, I think it's going to be a fun season. I know we're all looking forward to a full, uh, full year of, uh, of these battles. It'll be fun again, get some rivalry going back, back into a full 162. Uh, I know, uh, I, I look forward to that. It's always good to have to me, it's good to have better competition in the division because it makes the entire year just that much more fun and entertaining. So um, I'm excited for it. Uh, I think the the, the Tampa is going to be a uh, a good team. Um, but yeah, man, I appreciate your time. Uh, everybody go uh, give Kevin a follow. He's at Kevin Weiss underscore on Twitter. Uh, if you want to stay in tune with what Tampa is doing so that you can prepare for all of the, uh, the games that the Yankees and Tampa play interdivision. So Kevin, thanks, man. I appreciate you coming on. Of course. Thank you. And let me just say this. I can't wait until the first, hopefully this will happen this year where Mike Brasso will be going one-on-one with Aroldis Chapman. I'd, I'd love to see that, uh, see that fight back and forth again. If, if, and when that happens this year, however it works out. There'll be sus- a suspension in the beginning of the year that we all forgot about. <laughs> if we're like, Oh yeah, I forgot. What, the two the game Chap- suspension, the three yes. games. What is it? I think it's two game oh, suspension that Chapman's going to be, uh, yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll be without our closer to start the year. What a, what a terrible, uh, Get, if you, the future process. Well, we're, we're without our closer for for like three months, so you know, you, <laughs> you guys just enter we're, closer we're, we're here. Sh- just put name in here, yeah. and there's your closer. So, I, well, that's I'm the thing. Sure the race set a record last season, or tied a record with most guys that got a save. They had a dozen guys that got a save last year. I, I mean, part of that was probably by necessity, part by design, just showing that hey, um, we we want you to get this experience of pitching in the ninth inning, if and when there's a time where we need you to pitch in the ninth inning. So I think if there's a team that can manage without their de facto closer, it is, uh, it is the Rays. And Nick Anderson didn't look so good uh, in the postseason. The Rays kind of ran him into the ground there too. So, All right, man. Well, good luck this year. Uh, you know, hope, hopefully uh, we both get two, uh, two healthy years because that, that would be fun to watch uh, for both sides. But uh, yeah. Likewise, we'll I think it, yeah. 
we'll, we'll talk. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good battle. Yeah, between uh, between us, you guys, and, and the Blue Jays, maybe a three horse race there. So. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.